Let's pray together. For the good gift of song, God, for liberation, allows us to be the men and women that you dream us to be. Thank you. May we hear in the scripture and in our reflections, in the spirit that is among us and in every heart, the word that we need to hear to be more fully liberated, to be the men and women, the boys and girls that you're dreaming us to be. May your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Well, let me ask you, what would you do if, like Mary and Martha, you knew that Jesus was coming to your house for dinner? We would certainly think about the menu. I suppose it would need to be kosher. Uh, We think about what we're going to have to drink, where people are going to sit. We're going to think about uh, our house. Is it clean enough? We're going to critique our furniture and probably run out and make some last-minute purchases. Uh, If you're uh, someone like Emily Hall McGee, you're going to mulch your uh, garden at the 11 o'clock at night, (laughs) which she did last night. Uh, So those of you who are coming to her house tonight, be sure to thank her for covering up the dirt, okay? Jesus doesn't like dirt, so cover it up with mulch. Most of us would panic if we knew Jesus was coming to our house, right? Introducing Martha, the matron saint for the responsible and conscientious among us, and we know who we are. Martha is in our stained glass windows, the third set back on the upper left. She holds the bowl in one hand, where she's preparing food, but in the other hand, she holds keys, symbols of responsibility. She even locks up after she cleans up. (laughs) You and I have met Martha many times along the way. Martha's a fine person in every way, and yet something is amiss. You've met Martha. You've, you've met her in the person who hosts a party but is so busy in the entertaining part of it that they miss the party themselves. You've been there, right? You know these people. You know the student who goes to school and memorizes all of the information for the test but somewhere along the way fails to learn anything because all they've done is memorize You know the couple who wants to have that perfect wedding. Not one little detail can be out of place, and so tiffs arise and and competition arises, and the sacred moment is missed. You've seen Martha in the church member who is so busy doing church work that he or she forgets the work of the church, which is about God's transforming love being lived out in our lives. You've seen it in the employee who's so busy earning a living that she forgets to live and enjoy this life. You've seen it in the moms and dads who should be ticketed for trying to parent while text. Um, It is uh, insidious in our country. You've seen it in the people who are like the older brother in the parable Jesus tells about the prodigal son. The older brother out in the field who's so busy being right, he doesn't have time to be a brother. 
to welcome his kin home. I know Martha. Martha lives at my house. Martha lives in me. I have a morning routine I've talked about before after I let the dog out, after I peruse the Courier Journal. I've got this chair in the upper part of our house in a little room that was probably a closet once upon a time. But it's got a window that looks out over the street and I can watch the morning uh, break on the, on the evening, on the dawn. And it's a great place. I've got this wonderful chair that Terry keeps threatening to throw out, but it's made with genuine monogahide and I just can't bear to get rid of it. It's where I sit and see what is needful for my soul. But invariably, daily, I sit in my chair. I begin to hear this muffled voice. Now I know where it comes from, but at first, where's this voice? It's coming from the laptop computer, which is just a few feet from me. And when I crack open the lid to the laptop, I can hear the voices from the emails saying, Read me, read me, me first. I'm important. You need to stop what you're doing. And I was raised to be a person who said, Never put off until tomorrow what you can do today. So I pull the laptop over, begin to read. I mean, it might be something urgent in there. Uh, You know how many urgent things come up in Facebook and email. (laughs) Can't just let those things go unchecked. So I begin to read first one and then another, and then another and then another. And the next thing I know, like Martha, I'm distracted by many things. And the time that was set aside to attend to my soul is gone. Now it's time to get ready for the day. I'm not superstitious about praying. I don't think that I'm going to have bad luck if I miss that morning of prayer. I don't think God's going to be mad at me or or disappointed that somehow I'm ignored God. And in fact, praying is really kind of hard for me. Uh, I'm more of a doer, more of someone out there in the action. I was grateful when I walked into this space for the first time as a prospective pastor and saw etched in the, in the stone above the doors, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Oh, I said, these are my people. If they would have had uh, pray without ceasing written over across the window, uh, the doors, I would have broken out in hives. But doers of the word I can get. I like doing. Uh, I noticed the Good Samaritan story that just precedes this reading for today. Jesus says to the, to the lawyer, go and do likewise. I'm like Martha. I'm responsible. I agree with Martha. The meal's not going to somehow walk itself to the table. Someone's got to take charge. But Jesus perceives in Martha that something is amiss. Martha. Martha says her name twice. For a long time, I thought it was kind of a tsk, 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 kind of a scolding, sort of like our 
Former member Edie Hoeing used to do Joe, Joe, Joe. <laughs> but I've realized that when the Holy One calls someone's name twice, it's not a scolding, it's a calling. Something new is about to break forth. Three people in the Hebrew Scripture have their name called twice. Abraham, being called to a land that he knows not. Moses, being called by the burning bush. Moses, Moses. And then a little boy named Samuel, who mistakes the voice for the voice of Eli until the voice says, Samuel, Samuel. In the New Testament, there are also three who hear the voice. There's Simon Peter. There's Saul of Tarsus. And here, Martha. Martha, Martha. What does Jesus want Martha to hear? Perhaps she's so lost in the weeds of her distraction that she's unable to hear the clear voice of God calling her back. You've had that experience where you're so into something else. Maybe it's a video game. Maybe it's a TV show. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a book. Maybe it's your daydreaming that someone has to call your name twice before you kind of come back to this world. Maybe Jesus is calling her back into what is central and important for the people of faith. He says Mary's chosen the needful thing. She's received the better part. What is that better part? We're talking about making time out for God. We're talking about taking a time out. Not the kind of time out that we give to little children when they've misbehaved, but the kind of time out that people take when they're playing a game. And amidst all the action, someone calls time out. So the group can get together, huddle together, and reframe and get their bearings and review their goals and encourage each other and maybe even catch their breath. Catch their breath, which is another word in the scripture for the Holy Spirit. To catch their breath and once again know who and whose they are. Everyone prays in their own way. There's no one set way to pray. Some people can close their eyes and bow their head, and they can just pray. I admire those people. I close my eyes and bow my head, and I either fall asleep, or my mind, my monkey mind, begins to wander and jump from here to here to here. So some people pray by writing. Some people pray uh, by reading. Maybe they'll read a little passage of scripture or something that intrigues them and stimulates them, becomes kind of grist for the mill of their thinking and pondering as they let their mind wander in God. Whatever it is that you do, ultimately it is about putting God, the mystery, the Holy One, at the center of who you are, not just for those moments, but it's a reframing 
of your whole life. Let me be clear. Not just the religious part of your life. Your whole life. To pray is to make connections between that moment, those, those minutes that you spend in prayer, or these minutes that we worship God together, it's making a connection between this and what is after this. Your life. It's making a connection between the things in your life that are good and right and beautiful and God. In fact, I would say God is the beauty. God is the love. God is the connection that makes all of this work together. Without it, life has no meaning. To pray is to step into that connection and to love it and to celebrate it and to want more of it. To pray is to trust. It is to believe that there's something bigger going on. That there's more to life than just what we can see and quantify. That life has meaning and purpose. And you and I, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, we're being invited into this way, this truth, this life. And we step into it and we go. We bring all of ourselves. To pray is to ask questions. To bring our doubts, our fears the things we don't understand, to hold them before God, along with all the problems in the world, the Trayvon Martin verdict and all the things that are going on in Syria and the worries we have about our church and all the things in our city, and we hold them. We just hold them with God. And sometimes God, in that holding, lifts those burdens and gives us some sense of who we are and what we're called to do. To pray is to hold. To pray is to review and to reconcile where we are and who we've been in the past. To pray is to collect all of our thoughts and in God's presence to gather all the disparate events of our lives and to look for how they all hold together. To pray is to prioritize. It is to do what Mary did, to make the first things be the first things. Charles Hummel years ago wrote a little book. The title says it all, The Tyranny of the Urgent. Maybe you've seen it. He says that he heard someone say one time that the greatest danger we face is to let the urgent Crowd out the important. How many of us are guilty of this? It is the Martha syndrome to let the urgent crowd out the important. To pray is to prioritize. It is to say with God, these are the things that are important. These are the values I have. These are the callings that I have. Because we know We know we can't stay in this huddle forever. I can't stay in my little monogamide chair all day long. We've got to get up. We've got to go. We're being sent on that road from Jerusalem to Jericho where there are people waiting for us, waiting for us in hiding that will surprise us when we least expect it and question our values. 
and challenge our assumptions and bring doubt to our conviction about the power of love. We know that the domination systems will poo-poo any idea of sacrifice or compassion or caring for all of God's children. We know it's out there. So we take time. We huddle with God. We take that time out so that we can be the people that God is calling us to be. Nina read for us from Amos chapter 8, the sad story of the prophet who has to name for the people the reality of where they've fallen. They have avoided their time out with God. In fact, they're even saying of the Sabbath, when can we get church over so we can get back to making more money? How can we keep this market economy going? How can we exploit others so that we can win? How can we sell our birthright for a mess of pottage? And the result, the result is they cannot hear the word of the Lord, not because God's mad at them, not because of punishment. It's just the natural consequence because hearing God is not about being good. It's about a relationship. It's about a cultivated relationship with this Holy One that does not come easily or quickly or glibly. Years ago, they... There was a popular poster that said, Are you far from God? Who moved? Who moved? God didn't move. Who moved? It's not that we've gone off on some wild binge. It's that we've been given over to the tyranny of the urgent. And so in Amos' day, they were far from what God intended. Because they did not take that intentional time to center themselves on God. On Thursday, I began a process that uh, we've been talking about doing for a long time, and that is painting our house. It's an old stucco house, and about every five or six years it demands to be painted, and we thought Thursday would be a nice balmy day to do it. <clears throat> it was so hot. It was humid. So we started early. We started at 7.30 in the morning, but by 10.30 we were soaking in sweat and completely exhausted. We were frustrated. The paint wasn't going on right. It wasn't drying right. It just... Something was wrong, and we stood and looked at the side of the house, the one side that we'd gotten partially painted. Somebody looked down at one of the gallons of paint and picked it up and said, Why did you get interior paint? I don't know if you know, know that I don't always wear a robe. <clears throat> I'm not always beatific. Ask my family. I'm prone to go off. But I had taken some time out before we began to paint. Something in that prayer time, and I give full credit to that prayer time. I am, in the words of Henley Barnett, a, a pagan with a thin veneer of Christianity. You know, scratch it deep enough and there it is. But something in that time out 
allowed me to laugh. Gathered up the remaining paint cans, made my way back to Home Depot, kind of laughing to myself, thinking if I was in a different frame of mind, I'd be ready to tear someone's head off and spit down their neck. I would just be ready to hurt somebody. But instead, I was able to walk in by God's grace and actually witness two other people who were at the return desk and just how ugly it looks when you're not in that zone. I'm not judging because I'm often there. The first guy had a $1.88 uh, light, uh, light switch cover, a little plastic thing. He had sawed off a piece of it to try to get it into a corner of the house, but it didn't work, so he wanted his money back. <laughs> and was outraged that they wouldn't give him his money back. The second man complained about being uh, her holding him up when, in fact, he was over talking to some friends. By the time I got up there, this woman who's from the Middle East, a little diminutive frame, she looked like she'd been beaten up. And there I am, still soaked in sweat, holding these paint cans. And I said to her, I thought I was having a bad day until I watched you do your job. And we started to laugh together. And I have to tell you, it felt like church. It felt like a holy laughter as we just let all of that ugliness go away. Martha, Martha. There's one other occasion in the New Testament where Jesus uses a name twice. It's not a person, it's a people. He stands on the hillside overlooking Jerusalem and says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, city that stones the prophets and kills those who are sent to you, would that you knew the things that made for peace. Would that we could hear Highland's name, Highland, Highland, We're being called to be the people of God in this world. Sure, we have other things going on. We're in the midst of recruiting people for tasks that need to be done in the life of the church. We get to enjoy this worship service while others do worship care and Bible study classes, take down walls and do all kinds of work in the life of the church. It's all important. But for God's sake, the most important thing, the first thing, is to sit at the feet of Jesus so that what we do emanates from who we are. We're in a season of recruiting. We're also in a season of renovating. Our Building Love campaign will start in earnest this week as all of the work and all of the destruction and rebuilding begins. It's a great project. I believe in it. I'm excited about it. But I'm reminded again and again that the most important building project is not what we're doing, but it is rather the kingdom of God. It is the kingdom of love to announce the good news to the poor, the recovery of sight to the blind, the release to the captives, to let the oppressed go free, to announce again the year of the Lord's favor. What the world needs from Highland 
is not that we get all our recruiting done, not that we get all of our renovating done. It's that we be a people who have been chosen to take the better course, to do the needful thing, to center our lives in God and then go to be instruments of God's transforming love. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. We are grateful that when we bow and pray, you do not look for certain words or certain postures or any kind of perfection. What you look for is an open heart, willing to commune with you, willing to invite you in to abide. May we take comfort in that. In the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.